Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I feel especially drawn to talk to the moms out there these days. Even if you're a guy listening to this episode, if you've got a female partner and you've got children at home, this episode could definitely benefit you too. I've already got the next episode lined up and that's another interview with Dr. Kelsey Beach. She's expecting, so the next episode's going to be about sex and pregnancy, all that good stuff, but today's just me chatting with you all because I haven't done a short episode in a while. I have been busy. The practice is going well. I've also been doing some online workshops, and you know, just the whole pandemic attitude of like, I'll kind of get to things when I get to them. Honestly, like that's just still a part of my routine, so... Sorry, you get what you get from me right now. But I do appreciate you tuning in when I do put episodes out, so thank you. Of course, I'm going to ask that you please like, subscribe, whatever it is, whatever platform you're on for this podcast, subscribe, share it, give me a rating if you would. You can always email me if you have questions or you have an idea for a show topic. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. You can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever you like. Speaking of those workshops, I did a workshop, two workshops recently actually called Clitoracy. I did a 101, which was for clit owners, and a 102, which was for the partners of clit owners. Trying to be as like non- uh, gendered as I can, you know, because I don't care what your your status is as far as how you identify if you're a clitoris owner and want to get pleasure through that, or your partner has a clitoris and you want to give them pleasure or help them, I don't know, take charge of their own pleasure. Uh, those workshops have been a lot of fun and I plan to offer them regularly. I think that helping people understand more about the clitoris is part of the key to closing the orgasm gap. So if you've got questions about that, you can go to my social media, uh, join my email newsletter. Easiest ways to join my newsletters are to go to my website, openthedoorscoaching.com, or go to my Instagram page at openthedoorskc. Click on the link in my bio and you can find there through Linktree two different links, one for my safe for work email list and one for my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird. I love my Dirty Birds, so... I think that's 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 the email list to really sign up for. You get the good stuff there. So the topic at hand today is moms and the pandemic, how they're handling it. Basically what we're going to address is something we call the mental load in relationships. Yes, I am a certified sex coach, but I also coach people a lot about relationships and intimacy. So and that intimacy isn't just about intercourse. So while what I'm talking about in the beginning may seem a lot about just the emotional side, you'll see it ties in with everyone's sex lives as well. 
I wanted to have this conversation because I came across a New York Times article titled, When Schools Close, Americans Turned to Their Usual Backup Plan, Mothers. <laughs> Look, there's been, as the article talked about, this sudden return for some families to this 1950s-style household. The father earns the money, the mom's home taking care of the kids. Ugh, this article highlighted how there are 1.6 million fewer mothers in the labor force. And that's as compared to, you know, before last year when there was no pandemic. A sociologist was quoted in the article, Sarah Tabald. I hope I'm saying it right, but it's French, so and I'm not quoted that. Sorry, Sarah Tabod. She said, the COVID crisis is a perfect instance of the gendered fallback plan. A spring survey also found that eight out of 10 moms were managing remote schooling and seven out of 10 were doing the bulk of the childcare. And that's also from the New York Times via Morning Consult. I also found this really interesting. Obviously this is in opposite sex couples. But you know, even though the research is showing that millennials, the, the vast majority of them want relationships where it's really equal as far as the money making and the home uh, work, the child rearing, the all of the stuff. But when they actually have kids and face the daily challenges of life, this article says a majority change their mind and say the women should be the primary caregiver. Now look, I'm not doing this episode to have a conversation about who should be rearing the children, okay? This just, is this is just a matter of fact i i and you listening aren't going to be able to do anything to change this at this point okay i feel like it's a little bit more of okay if this is our current reality what do we do about what effects is it having and how do we get people back into some semblance of a norm sooner rather than later but first off let's talk about some of the effects that this can have on people we know huh, that when women especially are experiencing stress, they feel overwhelmed, they're ha they have too much going on, the very first thing that shuts down is their libido. Men, men are pretty similar actually. The, when they are highly, highly stressed, especially about work or finances, their libido tanks as well. So I guess if we wanna go even further, just Think about it. Doesn't matter what your gender identity is, when you're stressed and you are overwhelmed, you're not thinking about sex. It's Maslow's hierarchy. It's basic. You're just thinking about food and shelter. And and alleviating whatever it is that's stressing you out. That that thing that's preying upon you. Sometimes it's a physical thing. It used to be for uh, you know, ancient ancestors, it was something physically preying upon them and now it's just the pressures of life that feel like they're hunting us. So I want to focus on how do women maintain a sex life during all of this? When women are being the ones who are remotely managing the, the schooling, sorry, re managing remote schooling and when they're the ones doing the bulk of the childcare, I mean, this is a fairly similar situation for new parents. So I think that a lot of the advice that I have given new parents in the past could also be applicable in this situation. And while I did say at the beginning of the episode, if you are a partner of a mom who is doing all of this stuff, there are some things you can do, but really I wanna chat with the moms out there who are going through this. Let me just be blunt. I kind of had the thought about 
you know, how do you try to engage your partner and get them to help you with this? But let's be real. Y'all are doing everything else. And unfortunately with this, y'all are going to have to be the ones to do something about your sex life. Okay. There can't be any relying upon your partner to do something. They can't fix your sex life. Okay. You have to fix your sex life. I want each of you listening. If you don't believe this already, I want you to kind of think about something. Your sex life is your sex life. That doesn't mean whatever partnered sex you're having with your partner is your sex life. You are individual sexual beings with your own sex lives. And sometimes you come together to enjoy things in your sex life. Okay? But you are your own sexual being, your own sexual creature. And it's time to own it and take better care of that little creature. So not all of the suggestions that I'm going to make have to do with you and your partner. A lot of them are going to be things that you should do on your own, but of course there will be some things for you to do with your partner. All right, so I've got several suggestions and then also just some things to think about, like the excuses I've heard come up. And and I don't mean to invalidate reasons by calling them excuses. Uh, Excuses can be legitimate, but all I'm saying is overcoming obstacles and excuses. I mean, that's part of my job is to help y'all think about those things. Okay, so the first tip I have is don't just save it for the bedroom. You've probably got an entire house, so what about the office? You know, if you and your partner are working in your office together and the kid's in the other room, why not sneak under the desk for a little break? I don't know. Um, There's the bathroom, the shower. I even uh, got quoted in an article talking about 10 best expositions in small spaces. And let me tell you, Shower is a great place to have sex, especially if kids are in the house. Just get in the shower together. They won't know the difference. It's getting kind of cold, so while I suggest the car, maybe do it in the car while it's in the garage. Kitchen's a great place for quickies, especially early in the morning before the kids are awake. Couch late at night after the kids are in bed. The laundry room's a great place. Most kids don't go in the laundry room, unless they have to. All I'm saying is it's your house. Have fun. Change up your foreplay. Sex is not just about penetration. Sex is about all the things. Hand jobs, blow jobs, oral sex, anal play, uh, playing with your nipples, whatever. Have fun. Do some different stuff. And also recognize that as a sexual encounter. If all you have time for is to like, you know, reach down his pants real quick and and fondle him. And then 20 minutes later, he's got time to reach down yours and and get you turned on. And even if you don't get to have an orgasm in that moment, just those little quick moments of foreplay and and sexual touch can build up the excitement. Even if you don't have sex later that night, do those things throughout your day and throughout your week to build up that sexual tension. And do not, absolutely do not underestimate the power of the quickie oh my god quickies can be so much fun if you just got 10 minutes again it doesn't have to be about the orgasm sometimes the sexual encounter needs to just stand alone on its own as just a fun time because you all are just enjoying yourselves but a lot of us measure our success by our orgasms and i think it's time that a lot of us break that habit just Enjoy the sexual encounter for whatever it is, regardless of the outcome. 
Now, of course, if one partner's always orgasming and the other partner never gets their chance to come, we need to talk about that. So I'm not talking about those couples, but if you're the female partner who's not getting as many orgasms, add a toy in with that quickie to help you come faster. Sex toys are a great addition. There's so many options out there now. There's internal or external stimulation, toys that are for solo or partnered play. Definitely, you know, get the lube out when you use those. And of course, keep them clean. You can even keep them in a little silk bag so that uh, they don't like aren't up next to each other. It's never good to have silicone toys touch each other in a little silk bag is a great way to keep them clean. In between uses, um, keep them discreet, especially if you got snoopy little kids in the house. I don't hate kids, so don't take that as like me being like, oh, she's like kids. I just, you know, kids are snoopy. I was a snoopy kid. Totally found way more than I should have at too young of an age, but um, maybe that's why I'm a sex coach now. Yeah. Okay, so another tip, masturbate. <laughs> I've already gone through four tips without like naming them off, but here's another one. Masturbate, masturbate regularly. The three things that I say everyone should do every single day is exercise, meditate, and masturbate. If you can do one of them every single day, awesome. Doing all three of them every day is even better. It's about getting those good neurotransmitters flowing through your brain, flowing through your body, that an orgasm can provide really, really quickly as compared to a lot of other activities. So, orgasm a day. That hormonal shift that your body experiences when you start getting the endorphins, dopamine, norepinephrine, oxytocin, all that good stuff help flush cortisol out of your system. Cortisol is what you produce when you're stressed, which is what kind of messes with our guts, gives us that stomach bloat, and just makes us feel kind of like, ugh. The only way to flush cortisol out of your system is with those other neurotransmitters. So it may not feel like you're doing much by having that orgasm, but you're giving your body a chemical boost that it needs. And how an orgasm just feels good. So just do it. Another thing that I think that you should do during these times is put on your sexy panties or a bodysuit or any other lingerie. Put on your thigh highs under your sweats. I don't care. Put on something that makes you feel sexy for you. I don't care if you tell your partner that you've got it on underneath your clothes. I mean, that could be nice where you just give them a little flash here and there. Let them see what you got on underneath. But it is about you and how you feel. I had a friend tell me several years ago that I should wear my good panties every single day. Not just when I thought I was going to get laid. There is a mental shift that happens. I've experienced it. My clients have shared that they also have experienced it. You have a mental shift when you have your sexy panties or bra or other lingerie on. Even if it's under just your normal everyday clothes. So put them on for you. Share it, share with a, your partner that you've got them on if you want, but again, it's really just for you. Something else to consider is to try to add some nuance with games or role play even. The, a Kama Sutra book is a great way, or even a game is a great way to add some nuance, try some new positions, see what looks fun. Of course, there's all sorts of card or dice games with positions and other books too. Um, you can just like, maybe, I don't know, flip to a page and just, you know, see what you land on. 
Role play can be either verbal or it can be about dressing up. I mean, hell, even Megan the Stallion talks in wet-ass pussy about let me switch my wig so you feel like you're cheating on me. Esther Perel talks in her book, A Mating Captivity, about the shadow of the third. How do you play with fantasy through role play? Is it about trying to put on a completely different persona or to just fulfill some slight little fantasy? You know, the French maid costume, of course, is a popular one. But there's all sorts of things that you can dress up as. Some people uh, like some of, sort of a more primal play and they'll put on feathered masks and just kind of like groan and growl at each other. Other people want to pretend like they're strangers that have never met. Just find some ways to add something different. When I say nuance, I just mean change it up a little. Fun and games are fun because they're, they're new. So just try to find a way to either try something new or add something back in that you haven't done in a long time. Role play is a great way to do it. Also moms right now, you might scoff at this, but schedule sex and track it too. Look, I think that one of the easiest, (laughs) easiest ways to think about this, to overcome any objection to scheduling sex because it might seem boring or it just isn't romantic, things like that. When you were dating, you were scheduling sex. Think about it. You knew you were going to have a date on Friday or Saturday night or Tuesday, whatever. And maybe you didn't get to see the person that you're dating except that night that week. You've been scheduling sex for a long fucking time. So just accept it. (laughs) Do it again. (laughs) Treat it like a date. If you had no problem putting your partner's name in your calendar when you were dating to save that date night, why do you have a problem putting his name in the calendar now and saving it as I'm going to fuck his brains out night? Okay. And same to him. If he's got an issue with it, tell him I said all this, have him listen to this show for real. You were scheduling sex from the beginning. You just got out of the habit of doing it. And now you've got to get back into the habit of doing it. Studies show that when you schedule sex, you are more likely to have sex within 24 hours of having scheduled it, whether you do it same day or you end up doing the next morning. A lot of times couples will schedule sex for the evening time. They get tired, whatever. They forget, but because they had that commitment, they'll have sex the next morning and then often find it's way more fun and gratifying than they originally thought it was going to be. So I think when you're scheduling sex, it's important to find good blocks of time together. You can't just tell him, okay, we're going to have sex Friday night. You got to schedule this together. Rain checks are also a really important part of it because if one of you is just not feeling it, I mean, come on, it's a consent thing. We're not here to force anybody into having sex. And, you know, if it's happening consistently, then you know, it's something you got to talk about. But allow rain checks to be a part of the deal. Oh, I did also find some stats. of couples, according to Consumer Reports, uh, and even USA Today said 52%. Um, So between 45 and 52% of couples schedule sex. Okay, so it's not all that weird. And in fact, couples that have the most sex actually do schedule their sex. So just saying, if you'd like to get laid more consistently, put it in your calendars. Ooh, plus... When you put it in your calendar and you're kind of using that as like a build up to it, you know, use that as like, oh, I can't wait to do 
this to you tomorrow night. We've got our little date night, you know, just use that as an opportunity to build up that sexual tension. So I talked about some of the quick reasons or excuses I thought about that uh, might have popped up in your heads while you were listening to this. First one, children. The children might hear us. Oh, God. So fucking what if the kids hear you? And I mean that. I really mean that. There is a distinct difference in the clients that I see who knew that their parents had sex versus those who are like, oh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think my parents ever had sex except to make me. No. Whew, yeah. The, the people who knew that their parents had an active or healthy sex life have way more healthier sex lives, in my humble opinion, and what I have seen anecdotally from clients than people who, you know, sex was not discussed, uh, it was not brought up, it was taboo, it was dirty, it was, again, having this perception that their mothers and fathers did not have sex except to make them. So I would say, if you want your tiny little humans to grow up one day to be amazing partners and parents themselves, and, and yes, you want your child to one day be a good lover. I know it's something maybe a lot of parents don't think about, but my friend Natasha Ria Elskari really got me thinking about that. She said, of course, a goal for my son is that I want him to be a great lover one day. And because, I mean, we all want to have great lovers in our lives, right? But we don't think about how we are responsible for molding and shaping that tiny human into being a great human and adult human one day. And that part of that is being an attentive partner and lover, friend, all those things. Okay. So by them understanding parents have sex, people, adults who are in love have intimacy. And of course, there's age appropriate ways and times, things like that to talk to your kids about it, but it is not going to ruin them. If they hear you having sex, it is not going to destroy their lives. If they know that mom and dad need some time alone tonight, I'm going to be down in the basement playing Xbox and playing la 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 la. Don't hear a thing. Okay. But if you're still struggling with some of that, there is a book I would recommend. Actually, a couple podcasts ago, I had Lene St. John on my show talking about her book, Read Me. It's not really an ages and stages book. It's more of, um, her, she uses five pillars to help parents really understand a little bit more about themselves first, <laughs> so they can then communicate better with their kids about some of the things that are really, really important about healthy relationships one day. Okay. Another thing that I hear from clients is that their bedroom is not set up for romance. Mm. Well, that can definitely have an effect. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode 12, which is your bedroom needs attention. <laughs> I did that with Robin Stevens, who is a feng shui expert. And she shared some of the things that she thinks are really important for your bedroom to be set up for romance. And I mean, this goes for single clients too. doesn't matter if you are just, you don't feel like your bedroom's set up for yourself or for when you do have someone come over. I mean, it's more important, I think, than people give it credit. For example, what's the lighting like in your bedroom? doesn't matter if you're, again, on your own or with someone. Do you have the ability to soften the lights and turn them down or, you know, light some candles or just turn on a softer lamp, something like that? 
Do you have lube close by? Do you have a spot to keep your sex toys where it's conducive for you to just, you know, get them out and use them? Do you change it up real quick if you're not enjoying that toy or something like that? Are the are the condoms in a good spot or do you feel like you got to like get it out of the bathroom and then go in the bedroom? Try to think about all the things and all the ways that you can give it more of that boudoir effect, you know? How do you make that your love chamber? I'm not a big fan of keeping a TV in your bedroom, although some couples do enjoy watching porn, but I think it can also detract from having more intimacy in the bedroom. So consider maybe getting rid of electronic devices, uh, especially TVs in the bedroom. Add some furniture in there. Get one of those like sex loungers. Add a, a chair. Do something that makes it feel like that's the space you go to to have really amazing sex. Again, partnered or alone. Lastly, one of the things that I hear from people is the, oh, I'm too stressed. I'm just too stressed to think about sex and I just don't want to do it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to call it right now. If you're saying that I am too stressed to take five minutes to have a masturbation session or 20 minutes to have sex with your partner, I'm just going to call you on it right now. It is not that you are too tired or too stressed to have sex. It is that you are too tired or too stressed to recognize what you need to prioritize, okay? The kids and school and all that stuff is not going away. <laughs> Things are not going to change for a while, all right? So if this is your new norm, you've got to figure out a way to adjust. And if you are currently in a partnered situation and you don't think that your sex life is a priority, as important as all these other things, I think you're making a big mistake for you and your partnership. Sex is important. A therapist told me long ago, if you are not having sex, you don't have a marriage. Again, sex can be many things. I'm not just talking about if you are having actual intercourse, okay? But I mean, are you having real connected intimacy regularly each week? Or are you letting all of these other things get in the way? I want to leave you with this final thing, which is something that I found from the Gottman Institute. They do a short podcast called Small Things Often. The Gottman Institute does research about relationships. And I found this wonderful post from them recently that says, it's 13 things all couples do who have an amazing sex life. All right, here we go. One, they say, I love you every day and mean it. Two, they kiss one another passionately for no reason. Three, they give surprise romantic gifts. Four, they know what turns their partners on and off erotically. Five, they are physically affectionate even in public. Six, they keep playing and having fun together. Seven, they cuddle. Eight, they make sex a priority, not the last item of a long to-do list. Ding, ding. Nine, they stay good friends. Ten, they can talk comfortably about their sex life. Eleven, they have weekly dates. Twelve, they take romantic vacations. Thirteen, they are mindful about turning toward. I understand a couple of those are challenging right now in a pandemic, although you could maybe work around some of them. But if you feel like you're struggling with any of those things, make some changes shift some priorities put things down in your calendar to make them a priority for now if you have to 
But if you still feel like you're struggling and you know you'd rather have that amazing sex life, but some of these things are just a little too much, you're not sure how to get to that point, that's what a coach like me is for. If you haven't already gotten enough life-changing information in this podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. I am taking on new individual and couples clients right now, of course, virtually. And that means I can see clients from anywhere in the world. I hope you found this podcast informative. I hope you'll join me next week for my episode. It's again, still about moms with Dr. Kelsey Beach talking about sex and pregnancy. But reach out to me if you need anything. Kristen at OpenTheDoorsCoaching.com. I wish you all the best. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open The Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.